The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Osiris. Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Loyalty, described as, do you care? And I care, and that's why I'm on this show. Comes a time, here we go. <laughs> I'm a sucker for O'Teal, man. I saw that same feeling that I have, that would he fill the void that I didn't even know existed. It feels so good to, as Ben said, to try to do something about an issue as opposed to complaining. If you can't help, don't hurt. If we could just all get out there and throw cream pops at each other, maybe things with, instead of bullets and, and <laughs> angry words, it would be better. When you stop laughing, you stop living. There's a worldwide surge in interest in mushrooms. It was deep, man. It's not that TM makes your mind quiet down there. It already is. We're just stuck up here. We've lost access. I'm jumping Jack Flash. Came out by the stones. So I thought, all right, perfect, man. I'm gonna drive, and I started driving through the neighborhood, and I got, I got a text from Mick Jagger. <laughs> People saying that you know what we do is non-essential. Well, playing those few gigs that yeah. you saw me at felt pretty essential to me. It wasn't like they were clapping from here. Is they were clapping from here. My view of things is that death, death is the last and best reward for a life well lived. Like you gotta, it's the strangest of places if you look at it right, you know? If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time. That is my friend O'Teal. And that is my friend, Mike. We had another one. We keep saying it. <laughs> this was the best one. I don't even think it's best anymore. It's just like, it's so, what a series of bullseyes. It's like a triple Robin Hood. Someone hits a bullseye. You split that arrow. Then you split the arrow again. Well, you just said it. It's water in the desert. We had uh, our, our, our friend and one of my favorite uh, folks to listen to it, uh, Michael Mead, uh, the host of the Living Myth podcast, and he's for for those of you that have been with us for the for the long stretch. He was a prior guest, and the moment he left the podcast, we said we need to have him on as often as possible. And uh, 
no better time than now to uh, to have him join us again. He's uh, it's 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 just amazing how how uh, much he has his finger on the pulse of of just the consciousness that we need right now. I mean, he finds the stories and the myths and the legends and the everything that humanity has gone through in the past and recorded and finds the stories that fit what we need. And it's, it's phenomenal what he does. I mean, it's just unreal what he does and and you'll hear it in this episode. Yeah. His brain and his heart are truly amazing, both huge and both working in concert with each other. (laughs) And you know, it's so much of what he says you realize it's it's stuff that we know, but our culture has just so gone off the mark from it. Right. And uh, I mean, basically, we got to get back to our, to nature. We're not going to get. We're not going to like find our equilibrium in our own inner nature, completely separate from nature. Right. And. Uh, because we've gotten so far away from it, we see the results of it, you know, but there's not, it's not hopeless. You know, it's not hopeless. No. And, and I think that the thing he says in this, and like you said, Otiel, it's the stuff that we kind of already deep down know, right. But we're all in this together yeah. and we need the community and whether it's the two of us or the folks that are listening or whatever it may be, like we need to make these communities and, and, yeah, you know, we need to communicate. One person or ten people or or you know, just a smile every now and then could be the community that someone needs. So um yeah, this one was uh definitely necessary. And, profound. Uh, profound. Please go listen to his podcast please. if you guys are interested in I mean just life. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's perfect. It really is kind of ideal and his voice is perfect and his it's all it's all great. Yeah. So thank you very much Michael for for coming back and joining us and thank you to everyone who's listening. Um if you'd like more, we're over at uh, patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod where we offer you a bonus episode each week. And you're listening to us on Osiris Network. You can check out all their podcasts at osirispod.com. Um everyone Stay safe out there. Oteal, enjoy tour. And thanks for uh, kicking ass up there and bringing us some great tunes. <laughs> <laughs> We're having fun for sure, man. Nice. Take care, everyone. Be safe. Being interrupted by five. Hey, stop talking! My mother, who never stopped talking. <laughs> we grew up in the same family. <laughs> See, that's why I'm trying to not do that to my children. <laughs> but actually, I think it activates more brain uh, synapses. Yes, you you learn how to uh, navigate confusion. <laughs> it's like boxing because you know, I've been with people who don't have that in their family and they're like really troubled by wait would people stop interrupting whereas some of us can find the threads that, that are meaningful in the in the cabinet, <laughs> which nowadays is how we all live it is. I, I think you also learned to tune out stuff better because there. I grew up in a 
we had kind of a loud family and mm. there was four kids. So six people, you know, lots of dominant personalities. <laughs> and like when there's a lot of mayhem going on, if I need to, I just like, it could just uh, be silent. Like I'm so, I could just like, you're able yeah. to do that. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, it's good sometimes. It's bad sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> it can be good draining. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you make a great point though, Michael, about like how, um, you know, you, your brain does kind of, you're able to have, you, you know, those people that are able to have multiple conversations at once. Like you see some of these folks that literally can, it's like juggling, but they're mm. in, able to captivate and make eye contact and lock in, but almost somehow magically, <laughs> have two people right there on hold <laughs> and they're able to, it's fascinating to watch that happen, but you're right. Some people just kind of crumble and break down when those yeah. moments happen. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Two. <laughs> uh, we're so glad to have you back. I, I know personally, I've been really... Uh, Looking forward to talking to you since the school shootings happened. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, it just kind of puts it on in your awareness that it's every day because a bunch have happened since then. But that, you know, having a, a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, it just, you know, cool. it hits me hard. And, and I feel yeah. like we're witnessing Rome fall 
and it's a lot to deal with, you know? And, and so we're really glad to have you because that's kind of where I wanted to start with you is like, what do we do with all this? Like watching the literal like collapse of, of arts society, you know, and climate and everything. Yeah. Are we, are we going to keep rolling? Is that? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a very unusual time. I don't know that it's ever happened before this way. I mean, the world has fallen apart before mythology tells us that, yeah. but to have climate crisis and the collapse of ecosystems happening at the same time as the human cultural world uh, going upside down and having a collapse of institutions is really unusual and really overwhelming. And then the fact that it happens when people have developed the technology of of earth-wide, global-wide communication, so that no matter where you are, you know about all the terror, yeah. all the tragedy, all the collapse going on in other places. Yeah. So that the, because that used to take decades for the information yeah. to travel from That's one true. continent to another. And people learned about tragedy as history. And now yes. we're in the tragic time and the tragic moments. And it is uh, naturally overwhelming to the individual human psyche. We were not educated to be uh, conscious and aware of this much tragedy, this yes. much collapse, yes. and this and this much chaos, mm. you know. Yeah. And so then, part of that for me, then I see that as a weight, as a huge pressure, and that comes down on everyone. So that, I mean, everyone I speak to and I talk to therapists and all that clients are all talking about anxiety and yeah. the pressures that they feel and overwhelm. But for those who are on the edge, that weight coming down pushes them over the edge. And then in the United States, for, you know, know, reasons that are tragic all on its own, uh, the availability of automatic weapons um, makes it possible for someone who maybe even 10 years earlier might not have gone over the edge to go over and be able to pick up a gun on their way over. And so then it's as if those automatic weapons are shooting tragedy, yes, but also the void. That's how I started to see it. They're like guns shooting bullets of the void uh, Mm. in in, in the sense that it's like pure chaos. Yeah. Um, And then when they aim it at children, it's it's beyond lost innocence. It's 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 just perverted. It's cultural perversion, and and almost unbearable and unthinkable until it happens. And now it happens again and again, again and again. And we watch it as it's happening. And and it's not a desensitization. It's an over sensitization yeah. where it's like you don't even have time to process one before you're hearing about another one happening or seeing another. Th- thing happening and then it's like oh yeah and ukraine is still happening too and oh yeah yeah, lake mead is drying and oh yeah like and it's just this kind of how do you compartmentalize the empathy and the processing and the somehow releasing that valve and letting that pressure like you said i think pressure is the perfect word 
But how, yeah. how do, I think that's the thing that so many of us are struggling with is like, where do you, where is the valve to kind of let that steam rise and how to figure that out for ourselves individually? And then you have a, a culture, modern culture, and, and to be modern, I think, means <laughs> to be lost. I think that's the core <laughs> definition of modern. Uh, and it, it means to have lost cohering stories so that there isn't a story that people think they're in different stories yes. rather than in one story with a lot of tragedy. Um, but also there's the loss of meaningful ritual which is the place that humanity throughout history would take overwhelming things would to be in, you know, like one good thing that could come out of all this tragedy is a return of real funeral. I mean, mm -hmm. funerals were one of the biggest rituals that humans ever invented. And they were traditionally very creative events. Um, in many cultures, you would have the poets and the musicians and, and, and everybody mm. that was creative would be involved in making the funeral um, because the funeral was supposed to serve for the release of the grief and the agony of loss and begin the return back to life. Yeah. And since we don't have those real funerals, the lack of understanding what the presence of death is and so on, then you lose those two things, which is no proper way for everybody to grieve yeah. and, and, and let loose all the pain uh, and then no proper way back to life so that the tragedies then that occur, we keep carrying them with us. Yeah. Not just that there's more and more of them coming, that we can't get rid of the burden of the ones that have happened because the culture lacks understanding and meaningful ritual. It's funny you say that because I just my father just passed away and we just had his memorial service and it was like there's some time in between it, like a week or whatever. He was cremated. So there wasn't a burial, like a traditional funeral, but we had this service. And I noticed afterwards that I felt completely different, like a chapter had ended or maybe a whole book had ended and book two started or book three or whatever. But it was after the, the memorial service, not after he died. And now that you say that, I realized because we did that thing and it did, it brought everybody together. We went through all these memories. We grieved together. It, it tied everything. You know, there was music. There was, uh, wow. Now that you yeah. say that, it really, it explains why I felt that drastic change. Yeah. In, in Africa, they say, if you come upon a funeral, you're expected to join in, not because you knew the person that died, but because you knew death. So uh, a, fun a funeral communal. is an engagement with death on an existential level that allows a return to life in a more genuine way. And you think of the second line, which was... Uh, Go ahead, yeah. I'll say more about that. Yeah. Please, go ahead, yeah. Uh, New well, Orleans. <laughs> New Orleans still has it. <laughs> yeah. So that the, they still have the funeral uh, as, you know, like properly imagined. And so you have usually the horse-drawn carriage and the deceased is in the carriage. So the death is preceding the way to the funeral ground. And everyone is following death because death just tore into life. And behind the the 
the carriage with the casket comes the immediate family and behind them, the, the extension of friends and behind them, everyone else who's involved and they all go down. And then, then a dirge is played and the dirge, the function of dirge is to open the gates of sorrow and grief. And so that's done. The body's buried. Everyone turns around. And now the family's at the back. The friends are in front of them. The extended community is in front of them. And in front of everybody is the band. And on the way back, they play the way back into life, usually by the saints are marching in. That is it. That's it. Encapsulated. And death is at the very back. <laughs> and the, and yeah. the more, yeah. yeah, death is Behind at the, the back. Behind the family. And everybody's returning back to life. And of right. course, the family's going to get there slower because they're more impacted. But the, yeah. the purpose of funeral was to remind the living they're alive. Yeah. And so, so anyway, then, then we, the, the bigger the tragedy, the bigger the funeral needs to be. And now, again, the strange modern thing, the tragedies are international automatically. So it's like we're in these big funerals that are incomplete. Yeah. And, and so a different kind of pressure and the weight and so on. And, wow. and, this, and this follows um, two years of mm -hmm. family members having to stand outside of a hospital and, and maybe wave through a window or say goodbye on Zoom or, or FaceTime and not have that actual um, experience of being with their loved one when they pass away due to COVID yeah. and, and all of that. I mean, that's, that's when you were saying that, that's what I was thinking about was all these folks who lost loved ones to, you know, COVID or someone who died in a hospital or in a senior home and they're family literally couldn't they had to die alone so there's that there was that huge change in the way that we processed and experienced death with the pandemic and then coming out of it now we're still kind of trying to figure it yeah people are out. just beat down that's why there's so many suicides and overdoses and i'm just it's like it's, you know it feels like we could really use a global funeral like something to that involves you know the turning back the other way now the band is at the front and play us back into life yeah. life you know because everybody is just we're not having it and i think that that's when you when you don't turn back to life that's when the suicide and the overdose is yeah the alternative yeah right? Um, when I first started working uh, with severely at risk, risk youth, and it was in the hood and in the barrio, and it was death was constant there. Yeah. You know, different than the suburbs where it's reserved and kept in the funeral homes. Uh, in many of the neighborhoods, in the morning you get up and you walk around the chalk figures drawn on the ground where someone died. In the school, kids are going to school yeah. and walking around uh, the ghost chalk figures of recently died people on the ground. And um, so it's, it's like we had to start doing funerals right in, in the neighborhoods like that. And especially with the youth, because yeah. a lot of the at-risk kids will have by 17, they have five, six, eight yeah. friends who have died and they're bearing that death. It's very dangerous and it's really a trigger to suicide. 
because the old idea, part of what funeral does is close the door on death. So whenever there's a sudden death or a tragic death or a violent death, the door, this is the old imagination, the doors of death are thrown wide open. And that's why one suicide can trigger another one. It's also why one mass shooting triggers another one. And they're following a script now, too. That's made clear. And so when there isn't a closing of the door of death, there's a pull, a bigger pull towards death. And so people, the average funeral took three days. The universal average was three days. And in ancient cultures, everything had to stop. Everyone went to the funeral. The death of one brought death present And on one hand, everybody had to witness death. And on the other hand, everybody had to find a way back from death. And so that's one of the few things that might come out of, you know, the kind of procession of disasters that we're living in. That's a great way to put it. Procession of disasters is exactly right. I was listening to, I think I may have told you last time you joined us that I tend to listen to you when I'm driving. And a lot of times that's at, one, two, three in the morning out of Manhattan. <laughs> so it's kind of perfect that you're there with me. But you said something uh, a couple weeks ago and it struck me and like, I mean, it shook me and it, it was so true. You said, you know, a lot of these folks are saying we can't wait to get back to normal. And the biggest issue with that is there's never going to be going no. back to normal. There's only forward or stagnant at this point. I'm paraphrasing, but you remember like, and I thought that was so important because you do hear people go, I just can't wait for things to go back. It's nothing's ever going to be the same. Well, we wouldn't want to because normal is what got us in this predicament. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Normal is what was opening the doors of tragedy for some (laughs) while others were denying it was happening. Yeah. Yeah. But so mythologically that's, you know, it's interesting to me because Um, In myth, these kind of things are prefigured. And so, you know, for for a while, I've been focused at times on apocalyptic myths, not zombie stories, which are like the the dumbed down version of apocalypse. But um, but the old idea that apocalypse has to do with collapse and renewal and it has to do with end and beginning. And and so. one of the huh, one of the ideas inside apocalypse, the word can mean to lift the veil. Hmm. So one of the things that's happening with these tragedies is the veils lift, and you realize now more people know how many guns are in the United States. You know more than people, and 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 then the veil lifts a little bit more, and you see how troubled young people are and how close they are because those mass shootings, especially the seven out of eight recent ones are boys aged between 17 and 21. Mm. And they're actually murder suicides because they either kill themselves or there's this old idea called suicide by cops. Yeah. And so, so it's really an annihilation of others on the way to self annihilation. And so And it says something symptomatically about the culture, Um, not just the culture of guns, but the culture, culture of suicide and the culture of of 
more young people having trouble making the transition from childhood into a, a more conscious life, um, you know, which is clearly a huge symptom in modern culture. Yeah, we don't have the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's close to infrastructure. It's just not provided, you know, everybody, uh, of the other cultures have these rites of passage and, you know, ours is like shopping or, or scrolling or, you know, I mean, it's not, we don't have the, the dopamine. we're not, yeah, we're not being taught how yeah. to. Well, and also, I mean, you, you know, to the point of a lot of these shooters being in that, you know, like approaching adulthood or, you know, exiting childhood. I mean, the things that they're bombarded with, uh, I mean, just watching essentially the world disintegrate, watching the, you know, the actual planet melt and seeing these wars and just seeing violence and seeing anger and, and just a 50-50 split on everything. Um, that's hard for a, a young brain to, to process. That's hard for any brain to process. But And the climate crisis, too, on top right. of that. Yeah. I mean, the, whole, the whole atmosphere, from the literal atmosphere to the atmosphere of tragedy, is pervading all young people growing up uh, be, because they cannot resist it. They breathe it in. Um, uh, that's the problem with being adolescent, for instance. Smaller kids can find ways around it and they can be distracted or be kept in, protected from it in a way. But once you hit ad adolescence, there's this kind of inhalation of the atmosphere of a culture that happens and there's no defense for it because it's supposed to be part of growing up because the child is no longer simply the child of the family. It's now becoming the adolescent child of the community. Mm -hmm. And so it inhales the problems of the community. And so, yeah, I mean, young people are devastated. The idea that the planet may not continue, that the earth yeah. may not, that's devastating without stories and ideas that give them a chance to hold it and consider it. And so it's all contributing, yeah, to this procession of tragedies that everyone now knows is not over. They used oh, to be the, the, the pretense that, oh, that was really bad. We know it's coming and not yeah. just one, but more. And, and now, and then you have the inaction and the uh, inability of the culture to respond to its own, its own tragedies. And that's, I call that the hollowing of the institutions where the institutions, yeah. politics, churches, schools, uh, which can now become the locale of the tra tragedy, don't know how to handle it. So what do we do then? Do we turn to like the micro instead as we watch the macro fail? Like, do we just, because uh, if the institutions are not able to help us get through do we just pull together and your, you know, family, friends, close? You know, I'm just trying to think like, what do, what do we do as it all comes down? Yeah, I think that's the right instinct. Uh, that so it it turns out it's very hard for um, a nation like the United States, a big nation, and these nation states and these big that are uh, effectively you know, big machineries 
cannot move or change fast. So we have to get more local about that. Um, And I think we have to find ways to create what's missing. Mm. So I call it sudden community. Not the idea that we, we're building a community and, and we don't know what's going to happen in the future. That's the, the big lesson right now. Who knows right now, literally, regarding climate or culture. And so I call it sudden community, the old, the old Latin word communitas, which means something so deep happens that it pulls everyone together. That's the function of a funeral. Um, only there needs to be more consciousness in it and more understanding and inside that process, more care for each other, like keeping an eye out for who's on the edge because more, yeah. more people are being pushed to the edge and right in a town like Uvalde there where the last mass shooting was, there are other kids on the same similar edge. And so the process, if it's not just a moment of silence, and if it's not just a few hour funeral, but it's a period of really paying attention to the presence of death and the need to find ways back to life. And then those who know something about what's going on, checking for those who are at more at risk, you know, that that's part of it. And then maybe that begins to filter more into the bigger uh, collective uh, with regard to, you know, obviously making guns less available. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's just so obvious. And the people that are in denial about that are in denial of death. Yeah. As well. And 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 so, you know, that's a whole other problem. But yeah, you bring up a point that I really wanted to touch on, which is, you know, the first thing that I always ask myself when I hear this is like, how did they not know this kid was that on the edge? Like my my kids you know, we watch them so closely. We talk to them. We're trying to find out more, trying yeah. to get them, you know, to engage with us. Even I just can't imagine one of my kids being that close to the edge. And I was completely, it, it seems to me there had to be some denial. Like you can't be that oblivious, right? Or are they just so overwhelmed and working two jobs or whatever? Well, like, the story has come out to a large degree. It was a broken family with a lot of abuse. Um, and there were signs, you know, from a couple of years before. Yeah. Family noticed, friends noticed. And 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 so there's a kind of a denial. There's also a kind of uh, lack of awareness uh, of what those signs mean. And 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 then yeah. who and how is an intervention occur? You know, like in yeah. contemporary life, it's not clear where the parents' responsibilities end and the schools begin. There's a there's a real confusion there and there's not necessarily good communication. And then it's all disrupted by political issues uh, and issues of, of you know, self-importance versus uh, trying to protect and assist the kids to grow, you know, on and on. Right. And, and, and the thing that, the thing that happens too in, these communities and it spreads, you know, it's kind of like when a, you know, like a spider web crack or like a windshield, like how it splinters out, you know, there's going to be children that have survivor's guilt. There's going to be teachers that have, I could have done something more. There's parents who, if I only got there a couple minutes early, there's all these ifs and what ifs and 
that's a haunt that's going to stay with them for a lifetime. And, and those folks need the support and the, you know, coping mechanisms, the therapy, whatever they, they need to, to cope with this experience and move forward. And if it keeps happening and, you know, they showed a map of the United States and they, yeah. all these different, like, it was like looking at like a, a weather chart and it was just numbers and it's dead people. And it's like, this is uh, what, so maybe folk- this is to force us to back into the village thing. Do you think? Because, you yeah. know, I hear it like it takes a village mm. and it does like, you know, when you're raising kids, like it's overwhelming. It's that's why it takes a village, but we're so separate. Maybe all this, this is like you say, the lifting of the veil is going to force us to be back into this village thing where we go, okay, you know, he's having problems, but let's not just like paper over this because this could end up becoming a school shooting. Like, let's deal with it. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. I think it, it is trying to do. There's an old idea that um, after a symptom persists, it becomes more important uh, to not look simply at the cause of the symptom, look at the aim of the symptom. And so that's what I think you were just saying. The aim of the fracturing of community is to remake community. Uh, yeah, the yeah. aim, the secret aim of the divisions in a culture is to find a, a new creative way to be together. Yes. Tragedy is there, you know, people think of tragedy as bringing everyone together. When it's a natural disaster, that often happens. Yeah. But we're now in this procession of tragedies. And so there has to be some imagination of where it's trying to get us to go. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So but culturally, we don't look at it that way because when you think about a symptom, what do we do for a symptom? We want to make the symptom go away, yeah. not cure the cause. But yes. the aim of the symptom is for you is to go, hey, fix the problem. Yeah. Not to go make me go away. I was like, I'm trying to save your life, man. Like, yeah. I'm going to be back. And if you don't fix it either. you know. Yeah. And apparently, I don't know why, but it takes this much tragedy to create that awakening. Yeah. That, 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 I mean, I, I was saying that actually 10 years ago because I was working with kids in the street and I was saying, these are 15 and 16 year olds, it's still happening in the inner city so-called that are dying and and that are walking with death every day and nothing's being done about it. And so this is bound to cause more tragedy. And and then when when the first shootings, Columbine and all were happening, what I was writing about is, is death goes to school. It it was simpler then in in some sense, because it wasn't this real procession of unbearable tragedy, but it was shock of tragedy. And one of my interpretations was this is a culture that typically denies death. And Octavio Paz, the great Mexican poet, said a culture that begins by denying death will end by denying life. That's also (sighs) happening literally right now. There is wow. denying of life going on. Sure. And so so there's been this progression and it's getting worse and it has to be at some point that's enough. And you hear people saying now in a kind of political way, enough is enough regarding, you know, weapons of war being distributed in the street. But um, but there's way more of enough is enough. 
Right. You know, it's got to get to the point where this is enough division. This is a not enough uh, self oriented politics. This is, this is enough, you know, it's going to have to be a lot of enough, man, because yeah. the true religion of this country is profit. And that is so big. Like it's going to be a whole lot of enoughs. It's going to take a whole lot of enoughs to, to, to fight against that, you know, huge of a wave. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of the God of modern culture. There's actually twin God, uh, money and time. Um, that's, that's the other one. Everybody's trapped in time, yeah. and and there's there's very little healing in time. When healing is happening, it's timeless. You're you're out of time in the healing mode. You can't tell how much time yeah. it took. And so, the sad thing, in a way, for me, is there's no small fix. There's no. Uh, minimal repair. This is a reimagination of culture that's being required. And evidently it takes this much tragedy to, to begin it or, or to get America aware and of it. Has in, in the, in the stories and, and the ta- like, you know, from the past and what you study and when the earth, when humanity has seen this procession, um, what has happened? Like, what is the, some of the stories that like from the past that, that how did the, the earth rise from its own ashes? And, you know, are there any particular stories if anyone wants to, to go read some? Yeah, there are many. So there's a group of stories um, that I've been focusing on lately called the earth diver myths, earth diver. And so they are usually called creation stories. I call them recreation stories because they're not simply about the beginning of the world. They're about the re-beginning of the world. They function in culture that there are myths of recreation. And so one of the characteristics of earth diver myths is the earth has been uh, overwhelmed with flood and it's been lost in darkness. And it has to be found at the bottom of, of the eternal dark ocean. And, and so that's a process that um, depicts descent. And like at the beginning of COVID, I was writing that this is a descent into darkness that we didn't choose, but we have to accept. And so it, because in accepting it, we find out what, what's there, what's there for us. Uh, um, so the background for a lot of this is rite of passage, because rite of passage begins with separation. You're, you're separated from everybody. The, the family that has the tragic death is separated from everybody. They don't feel connected. They feel pulled into that darkness. The individual that has COVID is separated from everybody uh, and so on and so forth. There's separation all over the place. Besides polarization, there's actual separate separation as a daily experience. Well, in the mythology of transformation, that's the first step of the rite of passage, separation. The second step is a descent into darkness with a brush with death. So that's a way, that's a way to to describe where we're at collectively. More than a brush with death. More than we're in an enormous rite of passage. And that's what I I think the scariest dark part. A collective rite of passage. 
Hey fish fans, the band's three-day run on the beach in Atlantic City is just around the corner, August 5th through 7th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Do you remember that amazing tweezer into bathtub gin from Friday last year? Or the drowned ghost combo from Saturday? What about that number line encore on Sunday for all our friends? The AC weekend last summer was a blast. The band gave us three great days of music, the weather was beautiful, and the vibes were sky high. We're so glad they're bringing it back again, and we hope to see you there. We'll be dancing on the beach, keeping our feet in the ocean while we enjoy our favorite band. What can be better? Join us this year and get tickets now at osirispod.com ac. What's up, everybody? This is Mike, and today's show is sponsored by Sunset Lake CBD, a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with stress and sleep without breaking the bank. Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located just outside of one of our favorite places, Burlington, Vermont. For years, Sunset Lake was a dairy farm producing milk for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. We had them on the podcast. In 2019, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. And Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to the customer, cutting out all the cost associated with getting on the shelves at stores. They have CBD products for every occasion and offer tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables and even for that anxious dog of yours they have pet products Ooh, i need to get some for my dog that's barking all the time but Mm -hmm. i'll tell you this i use these the sour bears so good they are cbd gummies i literally no joke i take these every night they help me sleep And it's almost bedtime. (laughs) Yep. And I still, as said it before, I'll say it again. You go to a long show, you come home, my 42-year-old ankles are not what they used to be. And I rub that salve all over them and uh, put them up, enjoy a a nice cocktail, and uh, just let it ooze right into those sore bones. And you know what, folks, all you comes a time fans, if you check them out at sunsetlakecbd.com and use promo code TIME, T-I-M-E, you'll get 20% off all products. That's sunsetlakecbd.com. Use promo code TIME, 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Thank you. Get you some. Hey, Dead fans. Wake up to find out that Dead & Company is coming to Philadelphia on July 10th at Citizens Bank Park. The summer tour has been magical so far, and we know the Philly show will continue the magic. If you haven't seen the band in a stadium, you got to check it out. A show at the Phillies ballpark is a unique experience, and we know they'll have something special in store. I saw one of my favorite shows of 2021 when Dead & Company came to Citizens Bank last summer. They gave us a wonderful Jack Straw into Franklin's Tower, two of my favorite songs, and with a Morning Dew closer, I couldn't have asked for more. The show is Sunday, July 10th, and you know what they say, never miss a Sunday show. 
And if you buy a four-pack of tickets, you can bring your friends and save some money as well. To get tickets now, go to osirispod.com slash philly. See you there. And, and then the two things that happen in that descent, like when the story says the earth is found in the depths, uh, and then when it's brought up, uh, as soon as it's handled at the surface above the dark, uh, deepening uh, depths of things, uh, it grows. That's how the earth comes back. In, in one of the best stories, a woman falls from the sky who uh, turns out to be the one who handles, calls for the earth to be brought up. And then when she touches it, it begins to spread out and it becomes a living earth again. But when you take that personally, you say that the descent that we're all being pulled into, every time we hear about a tragedy, most of us are pulled into the depths. And But so the, the corresponding thing for the individual would be at the depth of our own psyche, there is creative mud trying to be, become conscious and be brought up. So it's another way of thinking, what do we do? We can't individually affect the collective. It doesn't work that way. Look at the inability to affect politics. Um, but if, yeah. if more people are finding what's down in their own depths, so mythology, psychology doesn't always mirror mythology, but in mythology, the deep depths are always creative. What's at the bottom is not emptiness, but creative energy trying to become conscious through each one of us. And so yes. this isn't a quick fix, but it, then again, it's yeah. not a minor repair. If enough people are willing to keep going down and finding things and bringing them back up, all of a sudden it turns out that one of those people actually knows a heck of a lot about funerals and all of a sudden is helping people to do the proper work of funerals. Another one knows how to cure certain kind of things and can figure that another one knows how to replant arid ground and turn it into forests. And so suddenly, yeah. not so suddenly, but eventually the accumulation of those creative efforts begins to affect the collective that's how the myths talk about it so we've got to we've got to get down in there together and not like maybe literally and metaphorically speaking like take a pill for it you get down in the muck because the muck is also the fertilizer down in the like where the truth is yeah the truth is yeah the the truth is not an agreement in public it's a, <laughs> right. it, it's, 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 it's the arisement of inspiration from the deaths. Yeah. yeah. And, and so there's something true about young people that are being, are growing into this world, falling apart. There's truth about what's happening to them that hasn't been uncovered yet in a way that can be pronounced clearly. Right. And, and, and yeah. that process cannot completely be done by them. Because in a rite of passage, you have to have those that are suffering descent, descent and those that are helping keep things together while that's happening. And then, like in a vision quest, those who help interpret what happened to those who experienced it afterwards. Um, and so there's a bunch of truth trying to enter. I mean, yeah. real truth, deep truth. But we're missing the two of the biggest things, those trying to help you during the descent and yeah. those to interpret, you know, like our culture just doesn't, it's not willing to do um That's what I'm trying to get at is like maybe what I'm looking for is we have to teach our kids 
um, to go to not try to uh, deny like getting down the muck. Like we're going to go down there with you together. We're yeah. going to I'm going to help you. There's part of it you're going to have to do by yourself and it's going to feel dangerous. But I'm here to help you and also to help you interpret on the other side, because otherwise there's one, there's one more thing missing. That's really important. <laughs> and this is why it's so clear where we started from. You can't go back because when you come out, when you come through, there has to be a community of people waiting yes. who have an understanding of what you've gone through and a capacity to welcome you into the new community, into the new world, if you want. Uh, that's that's the end of the rite of passage. So that it only concludes when people are welcome back. And so the paradox is that we have a com cultural community that's torn apart when we need a community that suffers through things with those who are being hit the hardest and then who welcomes them back. Well, and we have a that's we why we have the problem. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I call it sudden community. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, you can pull people together to do a certain thing for someone or for some group. I mean, you see people trying to do it in the places where the tragedy is. You see yeah. them trying to make sacred ground where, where people have died and all. But but way more is, in, is needed than that. Well, it's hard collectively because this country and its foundation was that there was a whole segments of community that they didn't give a crap about and was actually written into the law that you these people are not even people yep right and they're yep. still suffering in the hoods and barrios and reservations and stuff so trying to get everybody collectively yeah. to to be the community that's waiting for you on the other side is damn near impossible because it never existed here ever mm -hmm. since the foundation Absolutely. So how do we do it now? Like it wasn't baked into the cake. <laughs> it really can happen. I have an experience. I mean, I believe you, but I have, yeah. but um, it's it's really a transition of humanity. Yeah. Not just a local community. It, it's really yeah. and an, what's required is an awakening of a deeper sense of humanity that doesn't allow for some to be rejected or made into the other. Yeah, because it has to include the other, and and yeah. and so America has this ongoing tragedy from the very beginning. <laughs> On the one hand, the annihilation of the indigenous people, right. yeah. annihilation, which still isn't acknowledged in, in many ways. And on the other slavery, the enslavement of another kind of another people uh, pretending that neither of those are human, yeah. which is absolutely inhuman and proof of the lack of humanity of those who are holding those ideas. So yeah. that has to turn completely over. And also yeah. poor whites and you know, just the poor women, poor and you know, there's poor. All, <laughs> there's all, all the indentured in the very, yeah, yeah. so it's really a rite of passage of humanity trying yeah. to find the depth of humanity again, um, which seems really big, but I trust in that just because of events we've done where we intentionally bring together people of different uh, races and different ethnicities and different cultural backgrounds and different economic backgrounds yeah. and, and, and try to do healing. And, and it is, there is a process of awakening that's stunning 
where you realize, no, we really are in this all together. Yeah, we and are. Have a, because we're human all together. And, and that's, well, so that's the same air. If all the air is polluted, we all die. Not that's just this group or that group or this sex or that one. Well, and, and what's so important too is that you <laughs> could find you could find community in just one person right now. You know, from spending so much time alone or spending so much time isolated, if you find one person yeah. that has that same frequency of empathy or vulnerability or just the willingness to say. I don't know what's going on, but you don't have to go through it alone. That right there could be a life raft. And that right there could be the beginning of a sudden community. Or That's, that's what this podcast is, right? That's why we want you on the podcast. <laughs> we don't have a lot of followers, but you know, that ripple, just if a few people can watch and get a hold of this, you know, yeah, and we could reach out to each other. That's how you save it, you know? Uh, that, that's a good point. It, you it, know, and, and the... If you follow a vision quest, there is often the person coming back from having been isolated, literally inside a circle that's drawn with no little or no nourishment um, uh, so that they awaken to something that's in them. That's what the vision is about, even though it might be occasioned by the appearance of an animal or, or something. What's trying to awaken is within and then you know, the, the, some of the practices are that it would first you would go to another person who knew that process yeah. and then could help elicit the understanding and make clear how to hold on to it. Yeah. And that was a community of spirit right there. Yeah, and, that's and, the, and it, so, it, it, it seems that it's so polarized, like everything, the, the, the thing that seems so visibly and, and, you know, emotionally, um, right on the surface is, you know, we need community, but there's so much separation. Um, we need uh, empathy, but it's there's so much fear. We need, you know, the the agreement and disagreement are almost of the same value now, just because it elicits some vitriol or fist yeah. bump. And yeah, you, you agree with the side I agree with. And it, yeah. it, it, there's that area in the middle where we go, okay, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to sound, I mean, I'm not, I just remember there being a time where you could figure out a way to coexist maybe uh, even See, on a I small don't remember that on a small time, level but, no, but even but like I don't micro, mean, but micro. No, you're I don't right, mean, I don't why, mean the country. I mean, yeah. Just yeah. That's why we people. have to go micro, right? I mean, I, I'll, yeah, I'll be in line at the grocery store and it's like this person, like I like to talk to people. I yeah, want to be friendly with people, but now yeah. I, I kind of have to take a beat and go, yeah. I don't know if I want to get into it right now. <laughs> like, who is, you know, and, and that's, know. it's kind of a crummy way to, I uh, know it's sad, but it's all it's right sad. there. It's, it's one side and the other. And they're, it's just, it's, it's, it's rough. It's I rough. just feel like if we reach out micro, it'll ripple out. And maybe that's what all this is teaching. It's like it's perhaps the, yeah. when you said something about the vision quest, I was like, yeah, like collectively, our vision is this horror. But okay, if that makes us get to like just okay, let's just do this micro thing right here with my neighbors, friends, uh, the podcasts, people at work, you know, like just start here and yeah. hopefully it'll ripple out and where we can talk because if we don't 
if we don't learn to talk to each other, we're never going to see each other. I, I see the left do it just as much to the right. It's like, how are you going to ever talk to them or have compassion with them if you're going to demonize them like that? When do we start talking? The, one of the things here, and, you know? and I think you're alluding to it with like being in the grocery line and saying, well, if I say something, where might it lead? You know, <sighs> like, you know, people in Texas, I worry about people in Texas a lot, <laughs> you know, because you can bear any kind of harm in the grocery store. Oh, my God. Uh, not a good plan. But um, so uh, so one idea that's to me very valuable is the tension of the opposites. So in Earth Diver stories, after the Earth is brought up and the woman who fell from the sky in those stories is is the uh, image of the creator. And so these are stories with a feminine creator, which is really interesting yeah. because she becomes Mother Earth. But she gives birth to two twins who are directly opposite each other. And sometimes they're called the hard brother and the gentle brother or sapling, let's see, uh, flinty and sapling or uh, bad mind and good mind. They're, they're, they're metaphors. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and creation continues with the two of them creating in two different directions. This is the explanation of how opposites yeah. got into the world. Yeah. And, um, and then eventually uh, the two of them have a fight and because they're creating in opposite ways. And so, so we're like those two twins having a fight in public right now. Yes. And people can't hear the other side and they're <laughs> demonizing the other side because they each side thinks they're the good twin and the other one's the bad twin. You know, and, yeah. you know, anyway, that's hard to sew it out. But that's in the stories. Wow. And then so then yeah. in the fight, in the fight, what happens is uh, uh, the woman who fell from the sky, who becomes the earth, her body, uh, she breaks giving birth to them and she becomes the earth. And all the and so she, when the bad brother, which everybody has to figure out who that is. But it really is about inside people. Everybody has the good twin and the bad twin. And we're both the good and the bad brother. That's the thing. That's helpful to know. So, when, so you know, because then yes. people can't be as one-sided. But anyway, so the, the, the hard twin is beating the gentle twin. Um, and the world, there's an old idea, the world is tipped towards goodness slightly. Mm -hmm. What happens is their mother speaks to the, the good twin who's being pounded into the earth, he's closer to her. And she says, you cannot be defeated. You cannot let yourself be defeated because it will end creation and creation won't be able to continue. And so you have to do this in order to help creation continue. And he gets encouraged and inspirited by her. And then he beats the other twin, but he can't really kill him. He drives him out of, uh, out of the earth really. And he winds up becoming death. He then uh, he he becomes death. So wow. now you see that they were really life and death, which yes. are the twin brothers. The sun and going death up has and coming down. Yeah. And death has to have its place. And when death doesn't yes. have a place, it shows up at school and it shows up mm -hmm. in supermarkets with automatic weapons. Mm -hmm. Death has to have its place. But also, the polarization is the attempt by 
I guess the unconscious or something to get people to realize the twin brothers are inside us. Everybody's carrying the good and bad. And whoever calls the others bad is really casting their inner dark yes. ignorance on someone else in order to have a moment or a few years or a few hundred years of, of pretending they weren't in it and didn't have it in them. And so we're being forced to face this stuff now. Yeah. And uh, and it really makes sense to go back to the old stories. That, yes. that And this is a tough one for people. I mean, yeah. it's tough because some people are determined the other person is bad. And some yeah. people are simply determined that they're good and they're above the dark urges and the dark thoughts. And that's as big a problem as and insisting this- that all the dark thoughts are going to other people. They're both problems. Right. And- but also paints them into a corner like they can never change. Yeah, like say they are it's bad. Whatever we want to define, yeah, it's bad. That doesn't mean they can't change. Like I can't write someone else totally off because I changed. Right. Like you know, if uh, and that's the only constant in life, right? Is change. Yeah. I mean, that's the only yeah. thing we're guaranteed is that and, and death. And we know it's that neither of us are going to change, or our relationship is not going to change if we don't talk. And if we write each other off, there's definitely not going to be talking. And then there's going to be war. Like you say, if you don't make a place, it's going to. So then we have to listen to each other. But that only happens when the truth is being told. So there is no uh, mechanism and there is no therapeutic office in which that conversation can happen. It has to happen right in life. And it has to be a digging down for that truth that's at the bottom then people will listen if the truth is told at the right time. But it has to be not the truths of politics or the truths of the factual world. It has to be those deeper truths that we know instinctively that have to become a lived truth, like we are all in this together, is a really good phrase, but only if it's being lived. Right. Otherwise, it's just a placard. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's not the truth that the ad agencies decide that you get because you clicked on a certain thing, which is terrifying. At what point did, like, was there a, a period where, you know, it seems like youth, and I can only speak from my experience, but I wasn't taught about death until someone died. Do you know what I mean? And it was more kind of like a, hey, they're not going to be here anymore, or they went to heaven, or... Was there a period, was that always the case where it was like you, you, you shielded children until they experienced it? No. That's, no, that's I mean, not. think about people growing up on farms. Like you see yeah. animals die. You see animals kill each other. If we're more attached to nature, death is like it's you're everywhere. seeing it daily yeah. almost, right? That's modern culture. Yeah. Denying death. Denying and, and the chicken nuggets. Off. You don't see the chickens get slaughtered. Oh, you, you don't see the little see nuggets, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> no. When they say yeah. every the ancient idea, everyone goes to the funeral. That means the infants and the children are all in the funeral. The people of all ages are in the funeral, and often at a funeral, and you don't know who died. So then, imagine the conversations with the kids. So the kids say, "Why are we here? Well, someone died. Who are they? Well, we don't really know that well." But listen, death is part of life. And, and so then the kids are growing up, uh, getting ideas about death as yeah. they grow. So then when someone says, 
you have to die before you die. That starts to make sense. That's the old saying, mm -hmm. die before you die. It means yeah. die little deaths because each time you die a little death, you have a bigger life. And, and, and so all these sayings from the path, the Irish have a saying, death is the middle of a long life. Which, which means if you don't die in the middle of your life, you may be, you may be alive, but you may be the walking dead. I think the popular images of zombie revolution and the walking dead is really a dumbed down version of people living, but not really living. It's what we're and, doing right now. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really the public, the public square being referred yeah. to. But so, so no, I don't, this is modern, the idea yeah of the nine death. And I agree. Imagine all the cultures, most of history, people were closer to nature. Yeah. And nature, nature is the, uh, the big mystery lived large. And the mystery is birth, death, rebirth, life, yes. death, renewal, and nature is showing it every and year. Mod and human nature is part of it. And the modern world has separated humans from the natural world. And therefore, most people in the modern world do not know that the mystery is really life, death, renewal. Yeah. People. So then this is I won't say good, but it's necessary because it's forcing us the whole back world to nature where we will then see because like with my kids. I really struggled. I was like, uh, how am I going to talk about Because I have a weird thing about death. I avoid it and I avoid funerals and just the whole nine. It's always, I've spent a life doing that, you know? And then when I had Nigel, it was like, oh, there's a dead bug. There's a dead lizard. There's a dead bird. There's a dead fish. That wasn't hard. He's like, he understands it's never going to move again. And so when now when I talk about death, it's more about living. Let's do this because, you know, at some point we may we don't know how long we have to live. So let's like really live right now. Let's take advantage. You know? That's what funerals supposed to show. Hmm. And like when we're working with young people who have lost these dead friends. And I want to throw this in because I was thinking of it earlier. You can always re-funeral. So mm -hmm. the if you get the idea that people would all go to a funeral, whoever funeral it was, it meant that the next funeral you go to, which could be uh, just a, a, you know, a neighbor or community person you don't know that well, you're revisiting the funeral of those you did know who died. Yes. So that a funeral is not a one-time thing. Yeah, and so yeah. like with people, with people that couldn't do the funeral in COVID, they can do it now. Right. And we, we've done yeah. that with people. You take something that belonged to the person who died and you 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 make a little grave somewhere and you make the funeral and you bury it in the earth. And the feelings can come just as they would have at the original funeral, maybe more so. And so the idea was it was never one thing, a funeral. In order to let someone go, we have to bury them a number of times. And that process of burying is is then also the process of re-enlivening oneself yeah. and working with kids that have lost, you know, friends yeah. through violence. One of the things that became important to communicate to them was your dead friend will never live again, as you were saying, yeah. uh, but that dead friend wants you to live fully. 
Yes. So yes. the idea is not to be pulled down by that. The idea is to in, be inspired by that. Yes. And sure enough, we would hear from them that they're having dreams of the friend who died. And the dreams are not funeral dreams. They're dreams about being alive. And so this is the kind of thing that's been lost in modern culture. And so there's a big yeah. recovery project of bringing things that have the yeah. things that are forgotten that are important don't disappear. They fall to the bottom and we have to go down there and get them. Get them. And that's and, and by the way, the process of going down and getting it is what lifts the spirit. Together, words, especially when right? we do it together, right? Or, or even individually. That's yeah. a great that, point. That what's missing in my life psychologically and mythologically is hidden deep down inside me. Yeah. Not something, you know, marketing doesn't work that well if you're really changing yourself. You yeah. know, the marketing yes. is based on the idea that you can purchase the change that you yes. need. <laughs> but if we're bringing it up from inside ourselves as it comes up, uh, life rises with it. Literally, yeah. life rises with it. And, and then in the midst of the awareness of death, the kind of familiarity, in a sense, with funeral, you start to get the rebirth part of the mystery. And You know and what? You just gave me a great idea that a dream, maybe this can happen one day, where we reimagine a festival Right. But <laughs> I'm just going to dream out loud, like really big. But what if we had like a festival that is a huge funeral, but now we're not going to market it as a depressing funeral, but like the New Orleans, like what you're talking about, the second yeah. line where, where, you know, obviously I would be the music part, <laughs> but, um, where someone like you could lead it, like lead us through this process where it's something we could all do together and then turn us around and face us back towards life and march on. Oh, because wow. it's just like, you know, We've you said it. something earlier about the, the industrial invasion of the arts, I think is what I, I, and I was like, yeah, like all the art used to be in service of the sacred, but now it's become just like, business so where if we like flip it back and like take the festival and like do that thing consciously where everybody knows look we're missing this why don't we try to like do the ceremony you know rebirth we, we've done it it, it actually i mean it really uh it works doesn't it <laughs> it works i'm thinking of one time where we did this retreat we had about 55 or so kids from gangs yeah, uh, different gangs, and we had brought them together because we were working in their neighborhoods. And then we had maybe 40 adults involved, and it got really deep and really heavy. And, and a lot of these kids had lost friends and all. And so we started doing funerals for their friends. It's, it's not hard to do. And yeah. we were in a remote camp, and no one's interfering with us. So we're getting them to finally let their grief come into them and, and and then release all the sorrow and all. And it really is beautiful. And you see them coming back to life because they've been yeah. carrying corpses. And, yeah. uh, and so then we had planned to go into a nearby town um, afterwards and do some kind of presentation. And it happened to be a town where um, it was a very diverse town with lots of different ethnicities present. And at the last minute, we decided we would do a procession through town. We made mock coffins. The kids made them. Mm -hmm. And wow. little 
coffins and on the sides of them, they made, they painted and they wrote things and they were the, it was the coffins of their friends. Yeah. And we, and then we had a bunch of musicians. So we had a, a, we went through town with actually a band at the front playing because that brought everybody out of the houses. And then behind came gang kids tatted up and everything, carrying coffins of their friends. Wow. And then at a certain signal that we would stop and they would drop to their knees holding the can, the, the uh, coffins and everybody understood it. These, these were people from different cultures who knew tragedy, knew loss. Everybody yeah. came out yeah. and joined this procession. Oh, it was an yeah. amazing. And, and there was no communication except for the song and the procession. Mm -hmm. So there's beautiful. the case. And at the end, we ended up in a park. And it was that thing we've all been talking about. It was community. People didn't even speak English and they were in community. We were all together. We knew we were all together. And those yeah. kids who had come into the retreat carrying heavy shadows were the center of the rebirth of the community because everyone yeah. wants to talk to them. And they went from kneeling with the weight of their friends' coffins to standing in the middle of this momentary community uh, as the pronouncing what they had to say to everyone because they were the example of returning to life because that's they beautiful. were returning to their own life. So, so that's the, the sudden community you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. That's amazing. That's so cool, man. And, and the, thing that, the thing to me that's so important about that, what you just said is that who knows how much that experience impacted maybe just one or two of those of those youths that took part in that event and is going to carry that on. And they're going to be a huge conduit for change. Oh yeah. Maybe it's in their family, up. maybe in their school. So yeah. we talk about that spider web of negative, you know, the, the pain, but there's also the spider webbing of love that's and hope. Positive. And, and that's, yeah. And yeah, positivity. I'll, I'll, that's I'll on because you're so right. We don't know. I've lost touch with, I would say almost all of them. This is years ago, but one of them came up to me at the end or in the midst of all this and said, listen, I got a problem. He's probably 16 from, um, I forget the exact neighborhood, but from like East, East Palo Alto. So he's from a black community. And, uh, and he says, uh, I, I said, what's the problem? He said, uh, well, I'll tell you the truth. I'm packing a gun. And I said, all right, what's the problem with that? He said, I'm supposed to go use it. Someone shot my friends and I'm expected to do the payback. I tell you. And yeah. so when this is over, I'm going back to a place where every, everyone knows I'm armed and everyone expects me to kill someone. Mm. So I said, so what's the problem? And he said, the problem is, do I do it or not? And I said, the answer is completely clear. And he said, what do you mean? I said, there's no way you can do it. You've just been with death and come back to life. You can't turn around and fire death into anyone else. That's it. And, and it. big pause, you know, he's thinking yeah. it over. And then anyway, so some of us wound up going with him back to that community. We had to meet with the OGs uh, who were, you know, in charge of that side of the community and, and, uh, and agree, work it out that no, don't put this on him. Wow. Uh, and I happen to know that he made it into college and I don't know what happened after that. But your comment may be. That's yeah. amazing. want to say that. That was yeah. one kid. Yeah. And, and the actual moment of burying and coming to life, because he was burying the friend who had been shot. 
And then he stepped out of that cycle where he was supposed to deliver death to someone else. And at least yeah. for that time, he was free of that and he was more fully alive and able to pursue his own life. So I, I want to yeah. echo what you said. Those are transformative things. Wow. Every time there's a shooting, something like that can actually be happening. Um, and, and you, you know, we don't know, but right. it's a proper human response to tragedy. Well, he probably would not have done that if he hadn't been through that experience. And then the community is there yeah, at no. the end. No, and he what did going he do? Back. He went to someone in the community and go, I got yeah. a problem. Like I'm supposed to, you know, yeah. and the community, which you said, you know what the answer is. You can't do that. You just been through. Yeah. That's just great, man. That's beautiful. Yeah. And you know what that is? That he got permission to say, I'm scared. Help me. And that's such yeah. a I got a problem. Thank you. Oh, my God. For those who do mentoring or counseling, in that moment, that's not psychological theory. That's not the time to apply psychological therapy. That's the time to tell the truth. Tell the truth. Because he came to me having to sell someone. And under under pressure, he would have realized he already knew the answer. But all I was doing was saying, in a sense, you wouldn't be telling me if you didn't expect me to say, you can't do it. Right. So, so, so that's not a tricky thing from a mentoring yeah. point of view because it was built into the situation. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. The, 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 the wealth that you bring everybody, yeah. it, it's just, I, I can't thank you enough for, for I'm spending. so grateful for you, man. Seriously. You know, I, and even just what I'm going to take from the conversation today is that, you know, when you talk about the earth divers and going down and picking up the real truth and all of that, that journey to the bottom and finding it in the mud and bringing it back up. That's another way I feel like I can look at some of those hard days and -hmm. some of those struggles and some of those, when you're so brought to the present moment with like, I don't know what to do. That is the swimming down to the bottom. And that's That's the, the edge for diving down. The old saying is when you find yourself in a descent, dive. (laughs) (laughs) There's something down there that's wanting wanting to be found. I want to say one other thing about that event, which still lives inside me because of what you were saying earlier. Uh, In that event, there was a complete um, outburst, inburst of uh, talking through, arguing through racism that was affecting everybody who was at that event in different ways. Mm-hmm. And we, we had one rule in the event, which was no physical violence. And so that meant everything could come out. Um, and so that young man had also just been through his first experience of really having a genuine conversation about racism and the damage that it does and how it denies people and people like him, uh, their natural humanity. And, and so that was, that had been part of it also. So the truth had been spoken in many ways before the other things happened. And I think that put him closer to a truth in himself because yeah. the truth for him was he didn't come here to shoot someone on the basis of payback. He was, he was going to find another way to deal with his friend dying. Yeah. So we need to normalize truth <laughs> and honesty. Wow. Yeah. 
Thank you yeah. so, so much for spending an hour with us. And, yeah, and great to be with you again, both of you. Great to see you. Yeah, it's truly an honor. And and please come back again soon. And and for those who are hearing you on our podcast for the first time, can you let them know where they can find you and everything yeah. that's going on? The website is Mosaic Voices, all one word, mosaicvoices.org. And or else they can look for Living Myth, which is the podcast uh, that comes out every week. Um, and, and they'll find stuff there, stuff to listen to, stuff to read. Bless you, Thank sir. You for everything. Right, right back to you. Good to be with you. Stay safe. Good to be yeah. in the yeah. together. Yes, yes. Let's keep it up. We'll, we'll keep checking right. in periodically. All right. Thank you for listening, everyone. All right. Be well. Bye. Osiris. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.